0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 248 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This is Lindsay McCall from Jupiter, Florida.
2: And this is Regina Cristo from San Lake New York, and you're listening to the dressage radio show brought to you this week by the United States Para
0: Equestrian Association. And we also have our producer Glenn with us tonight. Hey guys, good to talk to you again.
1: Nice to hear from you again, Glenn. It's I nice know. to have you back. <laughs> I know,
0: it's good to be back. And, and Lindsay, am I allowed to congratulate you in public?
1: Of course, of course.: Congratulations.
0: <laughs> Lindsay's having a baby.
1: Yes, thank you. Now your timing
0: was a little off.
1: It really was. We, <laughs> babies don't plan things correctly. No,
0: you have to have a talk with that baby because you're having the baby right in the middle of WEG.
1: I know. You could have gone, gone to France.
0: You could have gone to France. You could have hung out in Paris for a while. All of that. That's usually where people conceive babies, not have babies. So right. Yes. <laughs> And they do deliver babies in France, too, you know, Lindy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure that's why I said there's a lot of good veterinarians, FEI veterinarians, but I could have just been delivering just fine, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you don't even have to go to the hospital. They're all right there no. at the showgrounds. you would be fine.
1: <laughs> I'm sure I'll be very on top of my iPhone, though, no matter what day it is, trying to you know, make sure our para team's doing well and everyone else there.
0: <laughs> well, I'll take your place. If you guys need a fill-in for Lindsay, I'll I'll go. I can do it. I don't write as good as her, but I can talk. So that's...
1: (laughs) You'll be perfect for it.
0: All right. uh, Well, congratulations. We're very excited for you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So, Regina, what's new with you? Oh, just surviving
2: the winter up here in the Northeast. It's been been a wild winter for sure. Um still looking for a horse, so I'm still on that quest, and I'm um, actually very excited to be uh, coming down to Florida in a couple weeks to help with the, the city the horse show down there in Wellington.
1: Yeah, well, we're excited, too. I, I can't believe how bad the weather's been up there. My gosh, it's oh. been awful. My my poor horses, my mom sent me a photo of our horses. They said, this is the first time we've seen grass in months.
2: Oh, it's been bad. We actually had a beautiful weekend this weekend. The temperatures were almost hit 50, and everyone was just in heaven. And today, it was only 25, and it's going to stay that way or worse all week. So, so it'll be nice to uh, have spring come up here in the Northeast.
1: Yes. <laughs> hopefully how hopefully March will be spring.
2: Definitely. And how are you doing down there?
1: I've been at a few horse shows down here in Wellington, back and forth to um, both the show jumping and the dressage complex. And everything's really looking great. Um, we have some new riders and we have some new horses, and I was watching them and taking some photos. So I'm excited for this year to, to see our pair dressage team kind of kind of come together before before the way (laughs) yeah that's gonna be exciting and you're feeling well yeah yeah and then personally I mean goodness having a baby is like buying a completely different horse it's like going and buying like a Shetland pony and you have no (laughs) none none of the tack you need you have none of the blankets you have nothing and you have to figure out everything you need and then you also need a place to put them and all that other stuff So. It's been a fun process, but I'm learning a lot as we go.
2: It's going to be great. I think a lot of people are excited, uh, especially about the show in Florida, and then the next one in California, and everyone uh, coming together and all working hard to to get up to uh, New Jersey and try to qualify for WAG. It's exciting.
1: Yeah, it's it's very exciting, and I know. It, what's when will that be? That'll be it'll be in June for our selection trial. So. It'll be awesome. It'll be really I'm great.
0: always amazed at how close the selection trial is to, to the competition. I realize that makes sense because you have to have sound horses and all of that stuff. Um, right. But, boy, it, it does put the pressure on right to the end, doesn't it?
1: It really does. And um, there's also some people that are going to be flying over to Europe, some of our riders. So you only have that limited amount of time to fly over, come back, do the trials, and get ready for a leg. And then right between leg and the trials, they usually have their training camp and everything else. So I think it's a lot. It's a lot on the horses. It, it's intense. It's an intense time period. It's good thing
2: on is You're so tough.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't, all, they don't have to just haul their horses. They have to haul themselves and, and sometimes their wheelchairs and everything else, their coaches and their helpers and <laughs> around the country. <laughs>
2: That's what hopefully makes us successful.
1: So, coming up on today's show, we have Roslyn Kinsler, and we also have Susan Gynan from Vince Ramos Therapeutic Riding Center. And our first guest, Roz, who uh, that's how we like to refer to her. She is a trainer. She is part of the Young Rider Graduate Program. She was a Parach Dressage coach for the Paralympics, and she's also a rider. and you know she has her bronze and silver medals and many regional championships. And I know she's been very involved with North American Young Riders since 97. So she's really seen the Young Rider program grow. And her whole influence with Para is she's trying to really get everyone involved with Para with Able Bodied, and at the Young Rider team. And up next, we have Rosalind Kinsler. Hey Rod, thanks for coming on the show today with Regina and I. It's entirely my pleasure. I know you just probably got back from the barn with training down here in Wellington. I know you got you guys have been busy um over there at White Fences with with Ellie and Dell and everyone, huh?
3: Absolutely. Uh it's such a benefit to be down here. Uh, and, uh you know, it's particularly with the weather that we're having up north, so you know, we are quite spoiled and enjoying it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we talk any about, you know, the paradisage world, I kind of want to know, we need to tell our listeners more about you. I know you have your USDF bronze and silver medals. So tell me kind of how you got involved in the equestrian sport.
3: (laughs) Oh, because I always wanted to ride it. My parents would never give me a horse. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, from the very beginning, I grew up outside of Manhattan, I always had to fight pretty hard to get my weekly lesson, and um, got involved in pony club without a horse, which was no small feat, and stayed involved, and went, then eventually went to riding camp, and I just couldn't leave it alone, so I got to the point where you know I would pretty much ride anybody's horse anytime, and I still kind of do that, actually. I still love to do it, but over time, um, it developed into uh, a job that I never intended it to. It was just funny how it went. I loved doing it. I taught part-time while I was in college and, again, all without a horse. I didn't get my first horse until after I got married. Um, wow. In his college, yeah. And I often blame my dad. You know, maybe I'd be done with this if he would have gotten me a horse but <laughs> at that time. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a passion. And uh, I can honestly say even if I'm tired in the evening, the next morning I can't wait to get on. It's just, it's the best.
1: How did you transition from, from the coaching into, into, or not coaching, into the riding and then into, into the training and coaching?
3: Well, you know, I, I have to say, honestly, I love to ride, but I like to teach as well. And uh, to me, it's like a, a tremendous puzzle. I know I can get on a horse and do what I need to do, but how am I going to explain it to people? And so if I, how am I going to do that without touching the horse and touching the rider? So I got started teaching part-time while I was in college to make some money. And the more I did it, the more I liked it. And uh, so it, it built that way, uh, built up that way. And then, you know, our sport is a little bit, it's a little bit like a college. You know, As people would, over time, I got a horse to ride from, no, just a plain old horse, nothing special. But I was able to, to get it going. And at that point, I was still jumping a lot and do pretty well with it. And it was, of all things, black and white on the East Coast, which is kind of was kind of forbidden at the time. But he did well. This has taken me places I never thought I'd ever get to. You know, I've gotten to, um, I've been to Europe with customers on buying trips, went to Oklahoma City, which for a New Yorker is huge, (laughs) Um, you know, for um, when we had our regional championships around the country. Yeah, it's just, it's the coolest thing. And, you know, if I get bored of it, shame on me, because there's another facet that uh, can be developed. Kara, obviously, is one of them that I never, I didn't even know what it was. Then, right, you know, right. And
2: speaking of para, yes, tell us a little bit about, we know you have a very strong yeah. affiliation with our able-bodied young rider program um, in the U.S. And how do you see para youth programs trying to merge or work together with our able-bodied young young uh, riders?
3: You know, I think we need to find a way to, to merge it. Um, I think because, of course, juniors is the, the future of our sport, I can see over time, I know that there was a... Way before I knew anything about it, we had paras there, and they formed teams with able-bodied riders, and that may be the way to do it, just because of the size of it. Now, young riders, NAJYRC, has gotten so big, there's not even time in the schedule for dressage suit equitation. But I think if Mm -hmm. we can find a way to integrate a few of our para juniors into it, you know, any way we can find it's it's well worth the effort. You know, I do run also, because I'm the USDF Youth Programs Chair, and the USDF, USEF Young Rider Graduate Program uh, is for, for basically graduating juniors, and we have included pairs in that program, para dressage riders. We've had um, two para dressage riders participate, so that gets them meeting able-bodied junior and young riders, and that's also very important.
1: I see that as a really important track that you brought up to start including them on the teams with the, with the other able-bodied North American young riders. That's a that's a really good point that you bring up. I, I hadn't thought of that before.
3: Yeah, it was interesting the way we did it. They made teams and it, uh, with, and probably Hope can remember this, but where one para went with one dressage rider went with one jumper rider, and they somehow made a hmm. calibrated score. Uh, and I think wow. that... Maybe there's a way to try and reinstitute that um, but with it as it is now, it is the schedule is so jam packed i don't know I don't see how we can get a junior a full terrorist team in there in addition from each region i don't I don't think there's time there's desire, which mm-hmm. is not time, so maybe this is a way to go at it.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. And how have you seen it change since you've been involved with it since 97? I mean, you obviously oh, you've seen huge. the growth of it. It's
3: huge. <laughs> when I first started, we only had young riders. We took one team of four riders from each region. Now we have a team of four juniors and a team of four young riders. And uh, so, you know, we've doubled it. And uh, mm-hmm. it's gotten to be such big business, which is a good news, bad news deal. Um but it it's just it grows by leaps and bounds. Another thing we do as part of this, and I'm not sure how we accept uh, that it, I know we could do this. We have across the country through USDF there are FEI Junior Young Rider Clinics, and mm-hmm. uh, it seems like there may be over time a way to incorporate a para rider into that. It's selected; mm-hmm. you have to be, you know, they give preference to riders with more advanced experience as part of the USEF pipeline program, but perhaps there's a way we can offer a structure to include a spot for a para, particularly in the regions that don't have as many um, kids vying for a spot, but certainly para juniors can come and audit because there's a, a large part of that, and it's applicable to them, so it's it's really yeah. good to make that effort, again, to meet other juniors and young riders to be involved. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that all seems like a, a great way to get um, all our juniors together, whether they're able-bodied, para, and because pretty much everyone's working for the, towards the same goal Yep. to improve their riding. So tell us about uh, the riders you have currently in training and um, if you're doing anything different this year, getting ready for uh, the games and, of course, first the um, the trials to get into the games. So what's a little bit different about your uh, your training during the year of a, a huge international event?
3: Well, you know, you have to stay focused on the end result, which is it's hard. I mean, in, you know, I think of it um, through the, we, we bring the horses training along, the, so hopefully we peak at the competition, not before and not after it. What's a little different for me this year, both of my para riders have new horses, so, and they haven't had them very long. So, uh, you know, I've been on a crash course to learn the horses, um, this year what I did a little differently than I have in the past is I've competed both of my pair of horses in a class at, at a big show. So I can feel them in the ring and yep. uh, mm-hmm. learn them that much faster because there's, there's no substitute for going down the center line, you know, from uh, my point of view, to be sitting on them and feel, feel how I need to set my warm-up and so on for my two riders. Um, so that is that is a little different. And with two new horses, even though they're different grades, it's a lot of homework going into that. Um, and I try and keep both of them. Uh, this farm that we, stay, that we stable at while we're in Florida is busy. I think that's a huge benefit. I try and have them ride when it's busy, when there's lots of other lessons going on, because that is somewhat like a horse show environment. So for their nerves and for the horse's nerves, and again with new horses, I need mm-hmm. to know how they're going to react if somebody, for example, inadvertently passes close to them, or if my riders are nervous sharing their arena with many riders. So it's all part of the, mm-hmm. the preparation that goes into uh, competing successfully. And they have a we had a schedule set up of um, shows we were going to attend prior to the CPEDI coming up because that would be really you know a, a bad idea to make that the first competition of the season. So we've been going to the venue and competing on a rational basis. In fact, they're going out again this coming weekend. And uh, then we have two weeks to fine-tune it up to the CPEDI.
1: I think it's really important as a trainer what you're doing, and I know my trainers were always um, very particular about that, um, about making sure that everything, the atmosphere that you're in, will be the atmosphere that you're in in a horse show, and instead of just protecting the horses and saying, oh, you'll be fine, and then they get to the Paralympics or the World Equestrian Games and their horses react completely differently. So I think that's really great that you're doing that. It's wonderful. I think you're encouraging that.
3: It's all important, you know, It's and, uh, you know, we have a joke around the bar and whenever, you know, something happens and a horse shies and the person, you know, somebody says, well, I'll move, I'll move, don't. <laughs> I will do not i can not tell the yeah. audience to sit still and please hold down those little children or please, because life happens. And yes. <laughs> uh, if you're going to be, a, you know, especially a high-performance competitor, you can't um, lose your confidence in an environment like that because I don't care who you are. You're going to be a little nervous when you go down the center line at a really big event. It means something, or you wouldn't be doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So you you need to learn how to to manage that, at least so it doesn't scare the pants off you. <laughs>
1: And I want to know, I know you have a, the, one of your riders has a brand new horse. that's so only a month pretty much as it's been here in the United States. How did you take that horse, I guess, from getting off the trailer and getting it to your barn to showing? I know you guys did, did one of the national shows this last weekend. Kind of what was the process there?
3: Well, it was pretty scary, to be honest. I mean, in, in normal, if I had my druthers, I wouldn't go to a show in fewer than two or three months, but we didn't have an option. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so what we did do is we rode him short periods of time because that trip is draining. You know, it's a hard trip for the horse to make, and I'm always astounded that they let us go you know, do that with him. So we rode short segments um, just to feel our way with him. And I, I did spend a lot of time riding him myself first before I put the rider on so I could understand him, um, and then doing, not actually not practicing tests, but Learning how the controls work, like for example, learning how to get a canter apart from him, or how is he going to be on the center line, or this type of thing. And we built up the time in the saddle, and uh, when we that's and for this horse in particular, it was imperative to me that I, I needed to get on him at the horse show, and I wanted to mm-hmm. get him to the venue. We were very fortunate that the horse show was the same venue as the CPEDI. So, um, in preparing him that way, I needed to know him actually better, better for me as a rider than than uh, my rider needed to know him. And uh, we have a good, the rider and I have a very good working rapport. So, I know it probably made her nervous, but she was kind enough to step back a little bit and let me uh, run the discovery process. What I didn't want to <laughs> do with him is ride him and drill him. You know, I, I wanted to get a chance to know who he was. I think that's very
2: mm-hmm. important. That sounds like a great plan. And uh, just from watching a little bit what's been going on with him and his rider, uh looked like you did a terrific job. Just, oh, thank you. Well, Can't wait to really Can't see him in Florida. We only have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to touch base quick, Roz. Um, I know a lot of the para-riders have been talking about... Um, stuff with the USDF in the hopes of um, ty- being included in some type of year-end awards um, for para. There's year-end awards, it seems, for every single thing under the sun with the USDF, um, but not for para. I know you've looked into it a little bit. What are your thoughts on that?
3: I think it would be great to, to try and get USDF end, uh, year-end awards. And In speaking with the awards committee, um, and they made a good point, um, there's not many paras And perhaps, this is, again, I don't know these numbers, so please don't quote me on it, but I think as para riders that compete, whether they're high performance or not, they need to join USDF as a para rider so they know, number one, there's a demand. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things we talked about was a budget for it, and I've talked to somebody recently that thinks that she may have somebody to fund it.
2: Oh, that's great.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not for sure, so I don't want to say anything about, you know, who or when, but uh, I've talked to her a little bit, and we're going to get together and talk about an award structure. Perhaps it would need to be a little bit like the Rider Awards to start.
2: That would be terrific. And I I think it's really important you made a great point that the para-riders need to um, register, if you will, or sign in with USDF as para-riders. And I know some of the riders I've talked to have just signed in with USDF as under dressage. Not knowing that they should, yeah, and that's
3: really important. So hopefully we can get that across um, to all our writers. So, but thank you, thing Rod. That I, if I can push really quickly, is sure along those same lines, the just regular old local shows get down the center line, so USDF knows they're there. Doesn't matter if you're going to make a team or not. Who cares? But you exactly participate in that way, and it, it grows. The, the best advertising is just for people to see you out there doing it.
1: Well, Roz, thank you so much for coming on the show today with Regina and I. We really appreciate it.
3: Oh, it is truly my pleasure. You know, I love what I do <laughs> and all the stuff I do is a way to return the favor for what the sport's done for me, and that's the honest truth.
1: <laughs> I feel like we can have you on another show. You have so much to talk about and so many great um, ideas out there.
3: Well, I'd be delighted to any old time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Roz. Thank you.
0: This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com.
4: The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Feeding your horse starch-laden grains can lead to colic, laminitis, and metabolic disease. Today, nutritionists are recommending the use of high-quality fat to provide healthy calories. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It's readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of starchy grains. Replacing grain with a high-quality fat supplement reduces a horse's risk of developing health problems. Equijoule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. And best of all, horses fueled by EquiJoule stay calmer and more focused on the job at hand. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose EquiJoule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com.
0: This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com.
2: And next, we have our guest, Susan Gynam, who is the Director of Development at the Vinter Ramos Therapeutic Riding Center in Wellington, Florida.
1: Hi, Susan. It's Lindsay and Regina, and we thank you for coming on the show today. Well, I thank you so much for inviting me. I'm always excited to talk about equestrians and horses and all kinds of things, so... Well, I know you're the Director of Development at Vinceremos here in Wellington, um, Vinceremos Therapeutic Riding Center, if we were formal, our formal name. And I want to know how, if you could tell our listeners how you got involved in that. Oh, well, my friend Jesse Coppola got me involved in it. I had moved um, back to Florida from the U.K., and she was uh, on the board of directors of Vince Ramos and was also on their auction committee, and she asked me to join the auction committee with her. And our job basically was to go out and procure items for the auction, and I did that for a few years. And the organization was continuing to grow, and my background is in marketing and finance. So when they were ready to bring someone on board full-time, To help Ruth in supporting the organization, um, they asked me if I would like to join, and that happened in 2008, and, you know, as they say, the rest is history. And and here at the Paradissage Show, we like to talk about other disciplines. I know you're a carriage driver as well, huh? I I am a carriage driver, and I've been a carriage driver for a very long time. Uh, I started to drive in the 1980s. Um, and it was a very, I mean, it was an extremely exciting sport. I was very young as a driver at that time. I am now not very young as a driver. Um, but <laughs> we had a, we had a great deal of, uh, fun. Gladstone, of course, was the biggest event and, um, it, it was much different than it is now. And, and like all things, you know, it's gone through its changes as far as, Mod- using modern carriages versus antique carriages. We all used to drive antique carriages for our presentation, and now they do presentation on the move. So, we used to have Colonel Thackeray. Do you remember Hope? Colonel Thackeray used to come with his white glove and check every little bit of your carriage to make sure that it was, you know, spit shine to the nth degree. But it's still that a great fun. fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's super. Now, Susan, um,
2: can you tell us how you got involved with uh, the paraequestrians and how that all started and what you first thought about it and where you are now with it?
1: It's it's a very interesting story. I've always been involved in um, driving for the disabled. Um, In the U.K., the equivalent of what we have here, the Professional Association for Therapeutic Horsemanship, is the US organization and in the UK it's called um, Riding for Disabled, Incorporating Driving. And I became involved in the driving uh, over there, I was also involved in the fundraising. Uh, when I moved back to the United States, obviously became, was still interested and became involved in it again on the driving side and then with Vince Ramos on the riding side as well. And quite honestly, the parasite came. As a bit of kismet, as so many things in life do, I happened to be at the farm on a Sunday afternoon and Hope Han drove in the driveway and she was trying to um, uh, talk, she was talking to me about para equestrians and some of their struggles and what, were, what was going on here. One of the things that we talked about were, was the fact that the U.S. para massage team had never stayed as a team in any one location. And we were getting ready uh, they were getting ready for um, the para qualifiers to go to London. And they needed another date in Florida before January 31st in order for all the their team to qualify. And I had some connections here. Um, at various show facility, facilities, and we were able to make that happen. And in addition to that, we were able to house the any any members of the team that wanted to stay here at Cinceremo. So we had just opened a covered arena, um, so it was a it was a great facility. Um, but I think at that time we had five of the U.S. Para team staying here, as well as a rider from Mexico and one from Japan, and two from Finland. Vince Ramos actually lent two horses to the team from Finland so that they could qualify. So we became, you know, involved that way. And Vince Ramos also donated or let one of the um, riders from one of the other countries borrow one of the horses. Yes, we we lent two horses to the team from Finland um, I think hope was giving out my email address to everybody, but that's okay. Hope, I won't <laughs> hold that against you. And I got an email from the chef de keep from Finland who was looking for horses that they were, uh, they were coming to compete, but they weren't able to afford to bring their horses. So Ruth Manner, who's our executive director and I, um, kind of walked through the barn and thought, okay, who might work? And they had sent us a description of the riders, their size, their disabilities, and we had never met them. We were, you know, going through the translation of Finnish to English and trying to figure the whole thing out. Came up with two horses, and they actually were fantastic. Um, one of the horses that we lent to the team was Hidden Creek Jones, which was Margie Angles two thousand three AGA horse of the year. Had more show jumping points than any other horse in the United States, mm-hmm. and. He obviously is not a dressage horse, but please don't tell him that because since then he has just been an extraordinary part of our program here, but, you know, in so many other ways he's carried our kids as special Olympians to their games. And then um, Katia from Finland rode him for her um, qualifier uh, to go, and and actually did qualify on him to go to London for the Power games. But, you know, he had to learn. Her uh, dispensation was that she um, rode with double whips, and, you know, Jones had no idea what that was. They arrived on a Wednesday. Um, their coach rode him on a Wednesday afternoon, they had the jog on Thursday. I think Katya rode him on Thursday afternoon and showed him on Friday for the first time. So he figured it out pretty quickly as to what his job was. So, you know, we are... That,
2: yeah, that's pretty amazing that these horses are, are so smart.
1: Um, I know as
2: an owner of um, a great FEI horse, I have blown my horse out to... Two foreign countries for big events and then um, to a U.S. uh, young rider last two years ago. And it's amazing how the horses adapt. If they have a good brain, they can do it. And I'm always reiterating this, and I'll just say it until someone tells me to be quiet, but if you have a horse that has a great brain and a great um, talent, especially in the walk and trot gates. We need to know about it if you want to help us, because it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I know you can agree with that, to be an owner of a horse and have them out with the para-riders and competing. It's it's a fantastic opportunity, and I, I hope more people take advantage. And it sounds like you guys had a great time, and we're very proud of your horses.
1: We are very proud. But, you know, I think the other thing that only to uh, reiterate your comment about having horses and their ability to – to continue to participate in, in various disciplines, Hope had come to me and said that one of their biggest problems was actually finding horses for the team. And, you know, here in Wellington, we have a wealth of horses. Um, and we get a lot of phone calls here at the center for people who are looking to rehome their horses for whatever reason. Um, either they you know, they've got a little maturity on them or they um, just don't fit into another particular program. So when someone calls us and says, I had, they they actually did call us and say, we have a 17-2 hand um, dressage horse that we'd like to donate to you. For us, a 17 hand horse means that I need to have six foot seven sidewalkers in order to support a rider on that particular horse. And you can imagine having someone sit on something that size and I have sidewalkers who tend to be you know, ladies and gentlemen that are not six foot seven that managing that weight if anything should shift could, could be quite dangerous. So right, in, right. Talk, in talking with the woman I suggested that, you know, have you would you consider a para rider? And I called hope. And Hope called Lynn Seideman, and Lynn Seideman came up and saw the horse. And then we had a. Um, a Wes Dunham came down as a trainer and rode the horse on a Thursday afternoon. And it was on a truck headed to New York uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. So we have been able to locate some horses. And Hope and I have had a conversation in the past week about another horse. So I think, that, you know, great. everybody being willing to. Take the next step when the call comes in. Maybe it doesn't work for you, but be willing to make that next call to the next person who may have a place or may have a thought that hanging up and saying, oh, geez, we don't have anything is not an option. Susan, I wanted to touch base about the Therapeutic Riding Center. You're so involved with that, and I'm sure um, you guys, you're involved with the entire network of Therapeutic Riding Centers. I want to know why there's such a disconnect between the Therapeutic Riding Centers and then bringing riders into the para world. I, I don't... You know, I think it's just a lack of communication. Um, it's something that we continue to work on. We... I, I think... A lot of times, riders, let's put it this way. If you go to uh, any little barn in, I don't know, Virginia, and you're a 12-year-old girl and you're riding a horse and you're, you're doing the two-foot-six course, you're, uh, you're idol. The person that you want to grow up to be is the 14-year-old that's doing the three-foot course. It's not the big names that we see in the international arena on a Saturday night doing the Grand Prix. I think as a sport in general, we aren't really good at sharing information about what's available. If you happen to be in Wellington, you might get some of that information. But if you're in Illinois or Michigan, um, we're just not—we're just not really good at it. What do you think are some ways that we can improve on that, Susan? I think that with um, the social communication we have now, um, I think internet helps. I think Facebook helps. That we are able to get more information out, and I think I think that our the organizations at that level are still really grassroots. That the national if the national organizations were stronger at promoting it, then the local organizations would be stronger at at making it available.
2: Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. So are you going to be around in, in a few weeks when uh,
1: the Big Parish Show is down in
2: Wellington? Can we expect to see you around the grounds?
1: I, it's hard to not find me there. We have a... Um, I, I bring every year... We have a great um, ramp that has a hydraulic lift um, that was built for us by a, a, as a graduating project from a student from the University of Central Florida. And I bring it each year. Um, over to, well, we took it to Jim Brandon, didn't we hope? And then we've taken it on to Global as well. Um, so they kind of look forward to having it come. So, yeah, I show up. And this year, um, we have some um, uh, drivers uh, from the, uh, that are members of the US Driving for Disabled that are coming to be classified um, in Wellington also because so, we'll have an international classifier there. Well, Susan, we're always so thankful for that ramp. I know I've seen it there, and um, we, we try to advertise it here and there that you guys do do that, so we're very thankful for that. Um, I know the whole sport is very thankful for that from you guys. But, um, I also I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with Regina and I. Oh, it's been my pleasure, And uh, we look forward to seeing you in just a few weeks here. Well, I look forward to it. And as always, if there's anything I can do to help, please don't hesitate to let me know. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook. Just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can learn more about the United States Para Equestrian Association at USPEA.org and on Facebook. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.
0: And let me, put a plug, let me put a plug Private. in quick for the app. Uh, the easiest way to listen to our shows is just to go to the App Store at iOS or Android on your smartphone and search for Horse Radio Network. You can listen to all the shows, including the Dressage Radio Show, right on the app.
1: Well, Regina, thank you for coming on the show again today as my co-host.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. I enjoy it. Thank you so much for asking. And
1: how, will, how do people find you online? Um,
2: I do have a Facebook page. It's just under my name, Regina Christo, and I can uh, get messages through there. So please feel free to uh, contact me.
1: And remember, one man's wrong lead is another man's counter canner.